Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, open date time. Can't lose to the buy time. I guess you could if you had to forfeit or something time. But, you know, let's not even go there time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday, very, very late Thursday afternoon. Uh, perhaps be early Thursday evening by the time that you get this podcast. Uh, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, hope you're well. Glad you're spending part of your time with us on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And, of course... Uh, And thank God it's not just me on this episode. We've got from an undisclosed location in an undisclosed portion of the Knoxville area, uh, the one, the only Tennessee football beat writer for Go Balls 24-7, Patrick Brown. Pat, what is up, fella? Knoxville area is loose, loosely used as as my location. Yeah, Knoxville area. You know, I mean, that's that's fine. That's a big area. That's fine. And I was uh, joking before recording this with uh, Pat just before we hit the record button that uh, he and his uh, lovely wife are taking some time off the next couple of days, as a beat writer should do during the open date portion of the calendar. And um, uh, Pat, uh, where are y'all going? That's none of your business. <laughs> one of these days, I'm just gonna. It's one of these things. I'm just gonna. Nope. Keep, I'm just gonna keep asking. And one of these days, he's gonna crack and he's gonna say it accidentally. He's gonna be like, uh, "Chicago, just kidding." Uh, uh, Detroit, um, Greece, you know. Well, we did go to Chicago a couple summers ago. Huh? Good time. That's true. You do disclose after the fact where you have gone, which is nice of you, I think. So uh, that's fine. I'm courteous. He's got his cellular telephone. We know where to reach him. And um, I, I do know where he's going. And I won't say it because uh, I protect Pat's privacy as if it were my own, um, which is interesting because I essentially have no privacy. Pat, we're, we've been promising for a while that we were going to get to a mailbag episode. Uh, I think an open date portion of the calendar is the right time to do that. We really should mix in more during the season, and that's that's our bad. But uh, got some questions from uh, the GoVols 24-7 checkerboard. Uh, got some questions from the social media machines. So we will get to that uh, in this podcast. Before that, though, just want to go over, I guess, some quick news and notes, heads up, tidbits, those sorts of things. Uh, without... Tennessee football has been practicing this week. We've talked with Jeremy Pruitt and a few of his players, including I think maybe the first interview of uh, Knoxville area Tennessee legacy tight end Jacob Warren's career uh, at Tennessee. So that was interesting. The Vols have been out there practicing, doing some things. And I thought, Pat, maybe the most newsworthy-ish thing that, um, that Jeremy Pruitt said is something that we have tried to relate to people 
before, we have tried to relay this information to them, and they've not necessarily believed us at times, uh, but he came out and said that he most likely will hire a defensive line coach after the season, which, you know, makes all the sense in the world. Way to go, Pat. You're muted. Way to go. Yeah, I am muted. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't like uh, it wasn't a situation like Mike McCarthy's Zoom. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. If you've seen that video on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody asked a question, and someone just goes "go" in the background, and McCarthy thought it was pretty funny. And, uh, you know, so it's good to be. You'd rather be muted than not muted. Um, That's true. There's some other Zoom shenanigans that have gone on that we won't touch on, but. Uh, True. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense for Tennessee to uh, to wait. I, I don't know who you'd get at this point in the middle of the season. Most uh, of your people you'd be trying to hire, uh, whether that be a college coach or in the NFL, um, have jobs right now, and they're in the middle of the season um, uh, for the most part. So uh, that that would and it, it, it's tough to bring somebody in on on an interim basis because you're asking them to work for maybe two months tops, you know. Uh, but uh, I think they have to move somewhat quickly because if you're trying to close on some defensive linemen before the early signing period, they would probably like to know who their, uh, who their persistent coach is going to be. But um, Pruitt's shown that he's not going to uh, rush anything when it comes to his hires. And uh, it's something that uh, as we've heard, and, and as he said this week uh, that Tennessee will look into addressing later after the season is over. Yeah. And, and something else I think that's interesting that we do need to discuss, you know, Tennessee was fined a couple weeks ago for, for, from the S by the sec for uh, what the sec determined to be improper mask wearing. Uh, I'm not sure what sort of issue they could have possibly had with Jeremy Pruitt's face mask. It, it looked great to me the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, just, just kidding. Um, but uh, that's something that, uh, that's something that happened, but the, the bottom line here is that Tennessee is going on now at least, and, and I confirmed this again yesterday, at least four consecutive weeks without a single uh, COVID-19 positive test in the program, be it from a coach, uh, a player, a support staff member, uh, all of that stuff that, um, that they do now. That, that is a risk now all the time. But it's especially a risk when you're going into an open date. We all know what happened, or most of us know what happened around the July 4th holiday. Tennessee came back uh, originally from uh, to, to report for camp. Uh, no players were positive. There was only one graduate assistant coach in the program who, who uh, tested positive during the report date, and they, they sequestered him, got all that stuff done. Everything was looking okay for the first couple of weeks, maybe a test here or there, but, but everything was going really well. Then Pruitt gave him – nearly a week or so off for the July 4th holiday, they came back and the problem started. And and you could tell that where they had gone, they had not done what they were supposed to do. And then we all know what happened for the next two months or so, just a nightmarish preseason camp, uh, contact tracing, all these other things, big issue. And and Tennessee, that's really impacted Tennessee maybe more than than some other teams to this point in the season. I'm sure in a couple weeks, Wisconsin will be saying, uh, us, us, us. But right now, you know, Tennessee has been impacted when you talk about preseason camp, uh, when you talk about the number of guys out. And they finally have a lid on all that now, Patrick. And now they're going away for break uh, for, for the open date period and kind of giving the guy shore leave. But Jeremy Pruitt said what I think was the exact right thing to say when he said, treat everyone outside this program as if they have the virus. And I think if you're Tennessee, with everything at stake in the next five weeks, you just really got to be safe this weekend, don't you? 
Yeah, I, I don't know how many players are going to be going on, uh, going on though, because uh, they're only going to get two days off. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's practicing today or probably tonight as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, um, it'll be their fourth practice of the week. Uh, they're getting Friday and Saturday off, um, but then they're practicing again on Sunday. So I, I don't know. Uh, I assume players will have classes on Friday too. Um, not that that's ever kept anyone, athlete or non-athlete, from yeah. uh, skipping out on an early weekend. Nah. Not speaking from experience, but uh, you know, some people may have done that. I, I certainly was. I attended every Friday class, especially the ones late in the afternoon that I had. Um, so uh, I, I don't know how many of them are, are going to leave. I'm sure if you if you live in Atlanta, maybe you might go see your family. I don't know how many of these sure. guys, you know, uh, how how many of these players have seen their families, frankly, uh, lately. So. Um, I, I can't really fault somebody if they do that, but uh, certainly <clears throat> Pruitt has, has referenced the lessons. I think you mentioned it, but uh, of, of being a little bit more conservative. Of course, uh, the SEC, unlike the idiotic Big Ten, has uh, has built-in flexibility within its schedule. I can't. Sure. Uh, who could have seen the Big Ten already stubbing its toe? What I mean, a what a wait! Everybody a, saw that. What a, what a horrific several month period for that league. Just I know so, that maybe they had the best interest of the kids at heart, but man, they have mismanaged that thing. Well, it, you know, and it it's I mean, it, I, I I really I feel bad for some of the you know the players because they've you know they they they've had a lot of things that have been made uh, about their situations. A lot of those decisions have been made outside of their control. But uh, I mean, Wisconsin looked pretty good against Illinois, and now they can't play for. You know, they're going to have games canceled. And yeah. then uh, Nebraska tried to apparently try to schedule Chattanooga as a sort of a makeup game. Um, and the Big Ten was like, nope. Yeah, so, the Nebraska, Nebraska and the Big Ten is working out perfectly right now for everybody. Yeah, so it, it – yeah. Um, but, yeah, from, from Tennessee's standpoint, you, you don't want to have a situation where you have to have a game moved. There's, the SEC has obviously uh, already had to try to – you know, they've already had some games that have been postponed. I think uh, Florida was shut down for a little bit. But everybody's back. I mean, there's there's six games this weekend. Uh, in the league, Tennessee and South Carolina are the only ones that are off. Um, but then, you know, some other teams will, you know, have had to move some games. There's some games now scheduled for that last weekend of the season uh, or that other built-in flexible week. Um, so, but yeah, if you're if you're Tennessee's player, I don't know how many of them are going to get a chance to go anywhere because they're only going to really only have a couple of days off. Um, and you know, their kids they'll they'll do what they want, but um, they'll have to sort of assess the the risk of going somewhere and, and maybe having something happening versus you know the reward of just staying put hanging out in knoxville uh resting um and uh and going uh, and taking that route yeah i was speaking with someone in the program i, I think it was today's thursday we're recording this i think it was tuesday and someone said to me that that you know he just the other day you know it wasn't like a nightmare like he had it while he was sleeping but you know sometime before he was going to bed he was just sitting there thinking and he went you know what what if one of those like backup quarterbacks goes home for a couple of days, goes to a Halloween party or something with his friends, you know, just tries to do his best but slips up and then he 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 gets covid and then he comes back and then it's not caught at first and then the entire quarterback room is basically infected he goes in, and and then that's the nightmare scenario, right? Because at that point you're sitting there going, "Oh no." Do, do do are you are you putting Jimmy Holiday at quarterback for a game? I mean, these are the kinds of things that the coaches are having to think about right now, and, and they're having to tell everyone, uh, especially not every player on a team is important, but but really, there's also a certain few guys who they're saying, "Listen, man, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You get a couple days off; they're your days, not our days." 
but really, really try to think about the team here. You know, just in five weeks, the season will be over, um, you know, and, and we don't want you to get the virus ever, but certainly not in the next five weeks or so. So could you just, you know, it's been such a nightmare this year. Can you just play ball for a couple more days? Can, can you just chill, you know, play some, you know, play some FIFA and Madden and stuff around the house, Call of Duty, um, you know, just watch some football, you know, have a couple teammates over maybe for a barbecue, just, just, you know, keep it really, really calm. Uh, and, and that is an issue um, because that's something that everyone has to be concerned about because that is where things are. Before we go to break and get to the mailbag, though, I, I do want to ask one thing, Pat, talk about it real quick. You know, this is the point in the year, and we've talked about this several times, where Tennessee has kind of been hit in the face, right? Um, you learn something about somebody when they've been hit in the face. And, and Tennessee now for the past, I don't know, 10 quarters or so, has uh, things have just not gone their way. Um and I and I wonder where this team is mentally right now because the more that you build a program and the more that you go into season with expectations, the more it hurts when you get a reality check. So where do we think this team is? I have heard pretty good things this week about the response. I, I haven't heard of any mutiny. I haven't heard of any huge, huge issues. A couple walk-ons going into the portal, nothing surprising there. But I, I think by and large they're, they're keeping a – pretty positive vibes I think right now where they're they're at least containing really really bad vibes yeah I mean and and th- that's what you expect uh a lot of these guys were here last year when things were arguably worse I mean yeah. uh, the first month of the season last year with uh, the losses to Georgia State the loss to BYU uh how they played against Florida um you know that that was uh t- Tennessee hasn't lost three games in a row under Pruitt until now um but uh, that, that stretch at the first month of last season was, was pretty bad and, and Tennessee managed to pull itself out of it. Now they had some really good senior leadership last season. Um, do they have those same kind of guys? I don't, I think they have some guys that are like that. They might not have a, a Jawan Jennings, but um, certainly this team, I think knows how to work. They know uh, what it takes to, to prepare like you're supposed to prepare. Um, and I don't think they've forgotten how to win. I mean, it was only, a, you know, two weeks ago and, you know, a few weeks ago that, uh, you know, they, they found a way to grind out a game in South Carolina and they were pretty businesslike in how they took care of, of Missouri, who, by the way, hasn't lost since that game, uh, having beaten LSU in Kentucky. Yeah, that quarterback so, that quarterback change Mizzou made in that game against Tennessee, I mean, that Basilike didn't start, and then he came in and Mizzou all of a sudden looked a lot better when he got in the mix, and now he's really doing a great job. Yeah, so, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of guys were here last season. They know what an in-season turnaround looks like. They know what it, you know, what, what needs to happen for, for those things to, to take place, and uh, I mean, nobody likes losing. I don't, I don't think anybody uh, is going to shy away from that. And 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 a, and a college football team of 100 plus, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, you're going to have some testosterone. You're going to have some disagreements. Some guys are going to get pissed off at each other, and uh, some guys are going to get in the heat of the moment and uh, and get mad. And there's probably some disagreements uh, after games and in the locker room and after practices and and whatnot. Those things pretty those things are pretty typical. I mean. I, I would think the bigger concern would be if you didn't have some of that stuff uh, when things yeah. are going wrong. So, um, a fight's not always the worst thing to happen. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, they had some fights in 2017 and Butch Jones's final year. Those were those are the bad kind of fights. Those are the signs of Pat. Pat, he just fell on a helmet, man. Where, where, why are you? Going that's all. He, yeah, that's all. That, that's just, all that happened. He happened to fall on a helmet directly into the place where it looked like he would have been punched in the face and maybe broke some bones in his face and had swelling all over his his eyes and you know that's just a nasty fall in a helmet yeah so uh i I haven't heard of any fights it's not that's not 
uh, put that. Let's not put that out there. And no, I'm just saying if there's some if there's some pushing and shoving going around, I'm going to be upset if there's not. It, yeah, and it's you know it's always fun to to poke fun at Bush Jones anyway. So, um, yeah, they you know, but at this point, you know, you you got to go out there and and do it. I mean, you can practice a certain way all week, and uh, you can say all the right things uh, in the media, and you know, say things are going fine, but uh, you know the the examination and, and the proof is is what happens on saturday um and so that's that's when tennessee needs to go uh and, and get thing you know get this thing turned around and um i think some people have talked up arkansas maybe a little bit too much so, so, you listen to some people talk about them it sounds like the hogs or the 85 bears uh, i still think they're a limited team that's maybe punching above its weight right now we'll see what they do against texas a&m but certainly that game's not going to be as easy as uh everybody thought going into the season um, and if you're Tennessee, I think you absolutely have to win that game because it's probably one of your one of your more winnable games down the stretch, and um, you need to sort of reverse the uh, reverse the ship here because uh, I think as we've pointed out a lot, um, winning cures a lot of things, you know. Yeah, and, what, and Tennessee needs to, and Tennessee after it'll be almost a month, right? Actually, it'll be over a month since they've won. Yep. Uh, when they go to Fayetteville, so after going a year without a loss, basically, yeah. So they need to uh, they need to get get some good feelings back and get some good good vibes back. And um, but there, there's always been sort of a, a workmanlike pro approach about this team. Uh, there's a lot of guys there that have a lot of pride in how they play and want to do well. And um, I, I would think that Tennessee uh, has, has probably I don't say made the most of this week because we're not going to know that for sure until um, you know until. 10 o'clock on November 7th, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I haven't heard of any sort of crazy drama behind the scenes uh, amid this losing streak. Yeah. I would say about Arkansas that, that Arkansas is a very limited team, but also a team that, that just is not self-destructing. It's showing the power of what happens when you, you know, just play the game in front of you, make the tackles you're supposed to make, make a play when it's there to be made, grind out results, you know, just when you when you're limited, you just have to give yourself a chance. That's the first thing you have to do. Don't don't throw yourself out of a game, and that's what Arkansas has done this season by and large. And it's gotten some bad breaks, but it's also just kind of done what it's supposed to do in that way. And, and Tennessee could probably learn a lesson from that because if Tennessee would stop doing that, uh, I think this entire football season would change. But uh, we maybe uh, I'm guessing we'll probably get a question to that end in the second segment. But before we get to that, we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to some products and, and ads and services and in-house stuff and all that other fun stuff. And we'll be right back on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location in an undisclosed portion of the Knoxville area. And we got a lot of stuff to discuss in this this podcast. We got a, a mailbag that we've been promising. Uh, we've gotten one here. We've got a bunch of questions from people that are that are some common questions that you would expect. Maybe a couple fun ones you wouldn't necessarily expect. And we will get to those. Before we do that, though, I, I just want to throw out there one more quick, quick reminder, guys. Please go in there and subscribe to this podcast. We we appreciate you listening. We're, we do it for free, and we're really happy to do it for free. It's, it's a labor of love. It's no skin, no sweat off our backs, but the one thing that we're going to ask for, please go in there and hit that subscribe button, whether it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the Google Marketplace. Wherever you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, but uh, what really, really helps more people find that podcast is if you hit that subscribe button and then you rate and review this podcast. Please rate and review it. Uh, with the algorithms, that just helps more people find this podcast. I see these numbers growing every week, and I'm really, really happy about it. And I think if we would just get uh, a few more of those uh, ratings and reviews, I think it would skyrocket even more. And that's really, really exciting for us here. So please go in there and do that. Uh, if you got some things that you want to see us discuss, if you got some things you like, some things you, you'd like to see us improve, we're not above listening to that. Just please go in there, take just a couple minutes tops out of your day. Please, please take a couple minutes tops out of your day and go in there and do that. Pat, let's get on to the mailbag. Uh, first question here will be from, we'll go. First of all, have we seen any of these questions? I've not seen one. I chose to do that. No. I chose to do that on purpose. No, I assumed that we would have some that we expected and some we didn't expect. I have not actually read them, so I don't know where this is going. But that sort of the best way to do it is to never know where you're going. It's sort of the closest you can get to a call-in radio podcast, right? I mean, people Mm -hmm. call in with questions, and this takes me back to the good old Swain Rucker days. Let's see here. First question from VolGal76. What do you think the chances are that we see a normal schedule next year? Do you think they'll have to do the all-conference thing again? And if so, could that eventually stick? Uh, I hope that they don't do that because uh, that would mean that the world has returned to some sense of normalcy um, next fall. Uh, and so I, I don't, I don't want to think of the possibility that it doesn't. Um, and, and there may not be, they may not ever get back to the way things were, but uh, at least that, you know, we can play a full normal schedule, have full stadiums, things like that. Um, that is obviously the hope. It's tough to know what, how it's going to look, but, uh, I know the coaches in this league will they, – they don't want to uh, – they, they won't want to make the all-conference schedule a permanent thing for sure. No, I mean there are coaches like Saban uh, who would like to add one more conference game to the schedule uh, in order but to – But he's got the best team, so of course he does. No, he does, but I, I and I also think the point he makes there is an interesting one that if you play in a conference uh, at least once during a four-year stretch, you should play every opponent in the league. Um, and, and I think that is – I don't think that's too much to ask necessarily. I think there's a way you can make that happen. Remember, I've said this many times. I won't go on very long about it. But the SEC coaches, uh, when they went from six conference games to seven conference games, the coaches pouted and hussed and whined and did not want to do it, said the league would never win another national championship, 
and we all know that turned out to be false. Uh, when they split the divisions into divisions, added a couple teams, and went from seven conference games to eight conference games, there were a lot of coaches, Philip Fulmer included, who fought tooth and nail against going to eight conference games and said, you know what, this league will, will never again win a national championship doing this or whatever. And then lo and behold, uh, Florida, Tennessee, and others proved that was completely false. Uh, and now if they want to switch and go to like nine conference games, you'll see coaches just complaining about it all the time. But you know what, they, they'd be fine. The SEC is always going to get its way into the playoff. I don't think there's any concern there. The point uh, of the question, though, and, and I think I think they could – this could this model NFL kind of model could show them. You know what? Look at how exciting this is when you play an extra conference game. It's coaches won't like it. Um, some fans might be like, "Oh, it's going to make it even tougher." But it makes for compelling television and compelling games every single week, and, and it adds another funner another week or two of fun games to the schedule. So. I'm all for that. In terms of will it be normal or not, I have no idea. I do not pretend to know. I will not pretend to know. Uh, I'll just tell you that a lot of that As you've said plenty of times, you are not an epidemiologist. Correct. Um, What I can tell you is that uh, Dr. Fauci... Did I say that wrong? No, that's right. Epidemiologist is right. Um, There's virologist, epidemiologist, both important. But I I think that you you, you hear someone like Fauci say that he thinks it might be 2022 before the world ever really feels normal again. Uh, and that's, you know, because we don't know when the vaccine's coming out. Will everyone have, you know, accessibility? Will everyone be able to get the vaccine? Will it be one or two or three shots you have to take to get the round of vaccines? Uh, will enough people do it to where it we, we actually do get some herd stuff and get this thing done? Uh, I, I don't know. I have no clue whether that's going to happen. Uh, but I would tell you that obviously basketball season is not going to be normal. Obviously, baseball and softball season is not going to be normal. Um, but in terms of next season, you know, I, I think right now it's not like they are not thinking months and months ahead. You know, they're not doing that. But to give you an example, right now, Tennessee basketball and, and the rest of college basketball has no idea when the season actually 100% will start, where games will, will be played, where can they play, where can they not play, how can they travel, how can they not travel. You know, Tennessee basketball still has not released a schedule. They know when one game's going to be, and that's the SEC Big 12 Challenge game against uh, Kansas. But, but they, they don't know when anything else is going to be. And just when they feel like they've got everything ironed out, well, a new tweet comes in, a problem emerges, and they have to scrap it and start again. So that's what they're thinking of right now. They're thinking of in the next couple of weeks. They're thinking in the next couple of months. It's really hard to think months and months ahead because economically right now, they're doing everything they can to make sure bills are paid and to make sure they can get games played on television to get that kind of revenue. So long question, long long story short, I don't know. I I doubt it will be 100% normal, um, but maybe it will be – closer to normal than we have this season that would be the hope yeah yeah and again we, we can't predict the future but keep in mind that pretty much every sport everywhere has played at least some resemblance of a of a season uh over the past few months you know major league baseball got through its 60 game uh season with the world series uh nba bubble nhl bubble all those worked um college football is is making it work it's not been smooth there's been you know a lot yeah. of there's been a lot of games that have uh, that have uh, not happened, um, but uh, if it's still in a situation where it has to be managed and worked around next year, at least we have a full season of lessons that we can pull from, right? Yep. Um, we know that if we need to stretch the season out more, maybe start it earlier, 
maybe give teams extra time in the preseason so you don't have a situation where like Tennessee has so many guys out that can't even get there a lot of practices in all those kind of things so um, uh, in terms of the actual schedule itself um, I know a lot of fans don't like the the buy games they don't like to see Tennessee play Tro- uh, Troy and Charlotte and Furman but it's it's a natural park college football. It's sort of the the way it is. It's it's you know if those programs need the money. Uh, Tennessee needs the home games and the wins. Presuming and, they win them, of course. And young players need reps if they can get them. People are asking about yeah. the young wide receivers. People are asking about getting Bailey some more reps. People are asking about can you mix in some guys there at linebacker and see if you can get some stuff straightened out there. Uh, can yeah. you try some new stuff up front point. offensively? And and you know what? Uh, can you get the tight ends some reps they desperately need? Yeah, you could if you were playing maybe an FCS team and, and you were up by 30 points in the second half, sure. You could do all kinds of that stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, the big non-conference games are, they're needed for, for the sport. Cause you, you know, conference bragging rights and conference strength is, is, a, is an important thing. It's uh, it's important in terms of determining, um, you know, who, who gets into the playoff and, and, you know, it, it's the, you know, we've seen those things play out that way. So, uh, hopefully we're hope it's back to normal next season, but we'll see. Moving on. Question from our good friend Blake Digits, who I'm not going to use all those numbers after the name, but let's just call him Blake Digits again. Uh, he said, I want to ask about the young receivers playing time, but I'll wait for another poster to do that. So we'll see if someone else does that. If not, Baked maybe, us out. If not, maybe we'll answer it anyway. He said, what is your opinion on, on benching Brandon Kennedy to get your five best offensive linemen on the field? He seems to struggle pre-snap and isn't nearly as physical as a sixth-year senior should be. Well, uh, I, I don't understand the illegal snap issues. Uh, I, I'm not yeah. sure. It, it happens so subtly. I don't know what he, he's actually doing. Um, it's not like he's fake snapping the ball and everybody's jumping. So it almost seems like one of those things where other teams have seen it and the coaching staff on the sideline has been like, hey, watch this. I think look, maybe, look, maybe he, I think he moves the ball forward sometimes. He does some stuff like that. Uh, but it's not, you know, they call it an illegal snap. But, you know, to me, an illegal snap is you're, you move the ball back. I don't know. Um, but Jerome Carvin is, is the backup center. Um, and he, I don't think his take, I don't think he's ever played center in a game. So, yeah. um, they, you know, that then there's a lot of responsibilities on that position, obviously. And, and Kennedy can handle a lot of those responsibilities because, um, anyone who, who plays on Tennessee's offensive line or is around it will tell you he is the brains of the operation. Um, some of the issues, you know, why they, why could they not, um, identify the mic against George. That was kind of odd. I don't know what was going on there. Um, that's not all on him though. Uh, because he is, you know, you know, the quarterback has to help out with that situation too. But, um, I, I don't know. I think there is an argument for it because Carvin, I think is one of their best five offensive linemen. Um, and if you put him at center, you could play Cade Mays at right guard and Darnell Wright at right tackle. Um, or you could even put Javante Spragans at right guard and, but Cade Mays at right tackle, although I still think Mays is better as a guard. So yeah. uh, I see the argument for it, um, but uh, I think I think Kennedy is 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 his team's center for better or for worse. Uh, I think he's the best suited to handle the position, and uh, I, I don't know that they are going to change. I would be surprised if they changed uh, they changed that position. Uh, I, don't, I think Kennedy sometimes uh, I don't want to say he gets a bad rap. You know, he's not a perfect player, but I think he doesn't make as many mistakes as, as somebody as some as people seem to think he does. Yeah. Um, but his mistakes are always glaring because the guy right across from him is, is in the backfield in a second and makes play. So uh, that has happened a few times. It happened against Kentucky on their first possession. 
got him off schedule and sort of derailed that drive. But uh, uh, people still bring up the West Virginia game as if a game two years ago is relevant. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, quite understand. Yeah, that, that's it. that's where I was going to say is that I think a lot of people, you know, Kennedy. There was such a lot of excitement when you get a guy from Alabama. You think, hey, just because you can't start Alabama doesn't mean you're not really. And that good. first play wasn't his fault. And, and you know, but people go back to that first play where there was some miscommunication, there was an issue, and got blowed up. And Garantano just took a, just got absolutely mollywopped there in the backfield, just got wrecked. Um, and, and I think I, I will say this, I think Brandon Kennedy needs to play better. Uh, and I think he'd be the first to tell you that. I also think his role within that team, I mean, people talk about Trey Smith as the undisputed leader. You know what? Brandon Kennedy has been out there for, I think three of the five games as a captain and, and he's been out there more than anyone else. So that tells you what coaches and players think of Brandon Kennedy, uh, and, and everything he is to the, to the program and, and to the, to that locker room. Taking a guy like that out of the mix is not an easy thing to do for many reasons. I think Kennedy would handle it like a pro, but uh, I don't know that you necessarily need to do that right now. I, I think you, if he does not start playing better, I think you have to start having that conversation, uh, and you need to have some backup plans ready. But I don't, I don't think I would be there just yet if I were, if I were that. I, I do get the logic, and, and Cooper May is another guy that's that's in the mix of center. He, you know, that's that's a lot to put on a freshman's plate right away. Um, at this, you know, this point of his uh, career, you know, if things have been normal and Cooper gets a whole spring, to, you know, to learn the offense, I think he is a pretty intelligent player. Um, I think Tennessee has sort of handpicked him to be their center of the future, but you know, to throw him in there at this point, I think, I think there'd be some risk involved there. But um, I, I get the logic behind it, I do. Um, but like I said, I, I would be, I would be surprised if that's a move that they make. Next question, we'll go to Dewey Sims with an interesting question. He goes, guys, am I crazy for thinking this is a 7-3 and three team with good quarterback play, uh, an 8-2 and two team maybe with exceptional quarterback play, and a 6-4 and four team with average quarterback play? And right now, this team could go 5-5 five and five or 4-5. and five. Is there not enough talent on this team to be pretty good with a good quarterback? Talk me off the ledge that we aren't as bad as we've shown. It's a question from Dewey Sims. Well, um, but it's it's what's the definition of good quarterback play? Some people think they Jay Garantani's go out there and throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns every week. Uh, I think if he if he does what he did against Alabama, that might be good enough to beat a lot of teams. Um, yeah. Just don't turn the ball over, as you pointed out in the first segment. Don't maim yourself. Like don't get not give yourself a chance before you even start. Um, and I think you know with average quarterback play, Tennessee is three and two right now. They're probably not going to beat Alabama and Georgia. Correct. Uh, but they wouldn't have imploded against Kentucky because the quarterbacks. Uh, and I say that plural because he wasn't the only one that threw an interception, but quarterbacks gave Kentucky 17 points. Kentucky might not have, you know, they scored 17 points on their own, uh, and they had four first downs in the first half. If you don't give them 17 points, you know, they're not playing at a comfortable level with the lead in the second half that fits right into what they do. So, and you can make them make uh, mistakes. Uh, I, I, you know, people, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about Garantano. If they could get no turnovers from him the rest of the season, if you offer that to him right now, they take it. Not even thinking about it. Just don't turn the ball over. That's the minimum. You can miss five throws a game. You could be late on some throws. Uh, you could, you know, not be as good on, you know, continue to struggle on third down. Um, I think they would take the no turnover thing right this second. And that might be enough to, for them to win some games. Now, they've got to play better in a lot of other areas. I think we all know that. They have to stop giving up big plays on defense. They have to be better up front defensively. Yeah, I think if they, uh, if, if they want to even think about beating Texas A&M and especially Florida, they're going to have to score points. And and you're right, but the best way to score points is to not give the other team points and give the other team field position. Yeah. So, I mean, Tennessee's given up 
what, 37 points in turnovers the past three games? I mean, and that's – they've been – of the past 10 quarters, it's what, 109 to 24? It's unbelievable. I mean, what, what's, the, what's the math there? You're giving up 40 points out of a 110. I mean, that's almost half the points you've given up have come pretty much directly off your own mistakes on offense. So um, if you just stop doing that, then, you know, we all saw – I mean, we saw it last year when Tennessee didn't turn the ball over. When they got decent quarterback play, they typically won. Yep. Saw it in the first two games of this season. Saw in the first half against Georgia, even, you know, play decent football. Uh, Garantano can do some things well. I think he's done a decent job this season with the with the RPOs. I think he's got a good handle on when to hand the ball off, when to throw it out on the slant, when to throw it out on the bubble. Yeah, that's um, true. That's a good point. And he has made some throws that, frankly, I don't know that any of the other quarterbacks on the roster can make right now. The throw he made to Josh Palmer over Patrick Sertan for a touchdown against Alabama, I don't know that anybody on the roster at Tennessee has can make that throw at this point. Not consistently, no. And and he's you know he's made that throw a few times this season. He's made you know hit. Uh, they should have hit another one to Palmer, but he's getting interfered with it and call it. And they you know hit hit the two to to Jalen Hyatt as well. So he he gives Tennessee the ability to stretch the ball down the field. Um, and that's not to say the other quarterbacks have no arm talent, but they're a lot more inconsistent and they're not as good as uh, and they're not as accurate down the field as Garantano is. Yeah, so, Shroud has probably the most powerful arm, but you could tell going into you could tell that when he came in there for one throw against Kentucky and that one throw was an interception, I think you saw pretty quickly him tumble right back down the depth chart. All that talk about a big offseason, all that talk about, you know, him taking a yeah, step forward. Right that, out the window. That, yeah. that went – I mean, that stuff changed in a hurry because for whatever reason, when that kid makes a mistake, it really gets under Pruitt's skin. I mean, more so than I would think other guys because Maurer, other guys are out there making mistakes too. I mean, it just happens. But when, when Trout makes a mistake, man, he Pruitt just – Purge jumps all over it, and, and it's it's because it's it's the continuation of a trend that they've seen from him for over a year now. He has he has issues operating the offense. He didn't send a guy in motion during that three that two play stretch or whatever many plays it was. Yeah, uh, and then he he tends to force the ball and, and make questionable decisions throwing it. Um, he had two guys open on the check down there. I mean, Tennessee in that Kentucky game, Eric Gray should have had like 10 catches for 130, 130 yards, maybe With, a touchdown. Without breaking a sweat. Yeah. I mean, they should have just you know, hit the check down all the way down the field. Kentucky, uh, that's what Kentucky, Kentucky was, was giving them. begging them to do that. Kentucky was, saying, so, Kentucky was saying, we think you're going to score, just take longer to do it. Here's, here's the situation Here's the situation with quarterbacks. Garantano is what he is. They have to find a way. They can't – something that I think they did a little bit against Alabama that I don't think they can do moving forward is they can't coach around him. Correct. If that makes sense, you have to be able to open up a little bit, trust him to some degree. Uh, if you have to default to the old throw it downfield and hope you can get a big play two out of every five times, then that may have that may be what you have to do. Um, but uh, Mauer Mauer continues to you know he, he he's kind of a loose cannon. He's going to make mistakes. He's not going to slide. He's going to get himself hurt again. Um, you know he, he struggles running the offense too. I mean, he got benched in that Kentucky game because he made a bunch of mistakes, couldn't, you know, made a, made some bad reads, bad decisions on where to go with the ball. They weren't interceptions, but they cost Tennessee yards and plays. Uh, and Harrison Bailey, I just don't think Harrison Bailey's ready yet. I don't know how many times we have to say it. He's at, you know, and people point to, oh, LSU's quarterback, they started a freshman. They had a week, you know, they had a week to get him ready and they knew they had to start him because they had to. I mean, he, was, he was their only option. Um, Bailey is, he's just not to the point where he's ready yet. Um, when is he going to be ready? There's no way to know. You know, I, I don't know um, what when that point's going to be, and I don't think he knows, and I don't think Tennessee knows. But um, they they're just going to have to go with what they got, and um, you know, 
at this point, this con- this conversation about the quarterback has shifted to directing all the angst at Garantano. So now it has to be directed at the people that continue, you know, and the coaches that continue to play him because they haven't found or developed a better option. Yeah, I think this is to, to answer to answer the question as directly as I can. I think with with solid quarterback play, this is at least a six and four football team. I think there's enough around them if they if they. I would agree. I think if that if that I think that part of the question's fair. Um, you know, to, to answer his question, I think yes, this could be. You know, if it had really good quarterback play, a seven and three team. I think with excellent quarterback play, it could be an eight and two team. I think they would are, need better play. Yeah, I think those wide are, receiver for those things to happen. Yeah, I think those those are, two are kind of go hand in hand sometimes. Yeah, I think those are fair points, um, but I think you need just a little bit more around them. Now you could make the argument, and I would make the argument that an elite quarterback makes everybody better because he puts guys in positions where they can catch the ball and make plays. He knows what throws to give what guys. He knows how to to get guys fired up, get them inspired. Um, good quarterbacks do all those things. So so they they raise the level of play around them. But, I mean, Tennessee need, needs to get some some better play regardless. I think that's a fair question, though. I don't think it's an unfair question. I just think that I would tweak it probably a little bit. Uh, let's see, got a question here from Stallion Vol. said, brought this up on the board, so it'd be interesting to hear y'all discuss. How do you think the free year will help programs at different levels? I submit that it will bring a little parity to teams with pro talent that will lose pro talent, and teams with just under pro talent will keep more seasoned players. Their average age will go up, and they'll be able to better compete against those top teams with elite, though younger, talent. It also should increase, also should increase the supply in the grad transfer market. A lot to, lot to break down there, but I, I understand the question. Yeah, I, and it's tough to know because this is all new territory. We don't know how many of, of Tennessee seniors or seniors at other programs are going to stay. How many of them are going to – are they going to transfer? Are they going to go to the NFL? Are they – you know, what, what are they going to do? I mean, we see it every year where there's guys who jump to the NFL that probably shouldn't. Yep. Um, and there's some guys that are going to be seniors that are going to be done with school and want to move on and try to get paid to – you know, try to get paid to play this game. You know what I mean? So – uh, it's tough to know what everybody is going to do and how which teams are going to be hit in certain ways. So um, I, I do I do think there is some reason to believe, uh, as Stallion said, that teams that have more pro talent are going to lose it because if you're an NFL draft pick, you're going to go whether you're a senior, junior, or what, regardless yep. of if you have the option to come back for another year. Yep. Um, but that's not to say that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, that all of their – draft eligible players are going to go because that's not always been the case. I mean, we've seen guys that probably should go that don't go. I mean, look at Alabama. Najee Harris probably should have gone last year. Yeah. Alex Leatherwood probably would have gotten drafted pretty high. Um, Travis Etienne at Clemson, you know, he, you know, why is he still in college to be honest? I mean, he'd be, He'd be balling out in the NFL right now. He'd that, be, that's you know. that's the one that makes the least amount of sense to me. Now, if a guy just wants to stay around college because he just loves being there, and wants to do stuff, hey man, that's cool. But and uh, that's fine. But that why and that's put why Miles? I, why put Miles on the legs as a running back? Why do and that? and that's why I, I get where I get where Stallion is saying. I think he I think he could turn out right saying that you know the teams at the top the teams with the top talent might be impacted more. Uh, but that's assuming that everybody that isn't an NFL player is staying. In, at one program and at the other program, everybody that is an NFL player is going, which is not always going to be the case. So, um, and, and sometimes you may, you know, some guys might not want to stick around if they see they've got talented and, you know, 
talented players younger than them who are going to get better as the time goes very, on. Very, so, very true. I think you're going to see. And, I think you're going to see that at some programs where they usually bring in ridiculous classes every year. I think you're going to see more people that see the writing on the wall and say, "Hey, uh, I need to go somewhere." Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know. The question I have is is with the portal. If you're a senior and you're using your extra year of eligibility to go to another program. Okay, so you wouldn't have counted against the 85 at the program you originally were at, correct? Mm-hmm. Will you count against the 85 if you go to the new one? Probably, That's, probably. I would, right? I would, I would think, think so. that, but, um, you know, it's just, it's so, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. There's, we're going to get a lot of questions the next three years on the 85 number and where they are and what they can and do. We're just going to have to be like, we don't know. We're going to have to be like, listen, guys, we're, we can give you an approximation, um, but unless well, Tennessee like wants to give us the full number and it never does, then then we're not going to be able to tell you. It's And even even going into this season, there was, you know, Tennessee was at, at over 90 at one point. And it was like, how are they going to get to 85? It's like, I don't know, but they're going to because they have to. I mean, it's like they, they found a way. Next like question. Jurassic Park, life finds a way. That's true. That's true. It's a good point. Question from JJ H. Vall. Uh, he said, What can we realistically expect in terms of SEC or of basketball season schedule? SEC plus non conference, strictly conference games? Uh, good question. I think right now there are a lot of things in play. I do think they will play conference and non conference games. I do think things will be a lot different, though. I think you might see um, an adjusted schedule with some back to backs in order to get games in. Um, and then they'll have to figure that out with the schedule. Um, they they do want to play non conference games. I think they 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 you know things especially things like the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. They definitely there's a lot of money invested in playing that. Um, but I mean you know how many people can you allow in the arena? I have no clue because it's indoors. Um, which you know and then if people if the numbers of the virus go up when it gets colder like they expect it will, we don't have a vaccine yet. That's going to be tough on, you know, I think there's going to be no question that, that media and people won't be able to sit like courtside seats will be gone for a while. I don't think anybody can be within 20, 30 feet of the court unless you're uh, someone who's, you know, tested off often like a ref or, a, you know, player, coach, something like that, trainer, something like that. So, so I, I think that there's, I think they will play both conference and non-conference games. I do think they will have to find a unique way to make that work because I don't think the standard normal schedule thing is going to work. I also think they need to probably – they'll probably push games back to December, something like that, to start, um, you know, just around the around Christmas time maybe. So we'll see what they do there. There's a lot of things in play there, and every time we hear new information, we're going to keep bringing it uh, to the checkerboard. Uh, next question uh, from A. Owens578. He's on, on the checkerboard on GoVoss 24-7. said, do y'all think this team didn't get enough practice time that they needed together this year uh, with this virus being around and them having to deal with it? Yes, 100% yes. Absolutely. Um, and and, and it's, I think – I don't know if I mentioned this after – I think I might have mentioned this after the game, but, um, you know, there was all this concern and hand-wringing over all the guys that Tennessee was having mispractice time and what impact it would have on the season. Uh, and now that we continue to hear, well – Secondary struggle because they had some guys miss right before the start of the season. You know, why aren't these freshman receivers playing? Well, because they missed a lot of time. And a lot of freshmen, frankly, missed a lot of time. Um, now, it, now it seems to be an excuse. And, 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 and it, keep, it keeps getting defaulted back to. Brewer keeps bringing it up. Um, but I don't know what else he's supposed to do when he gets asked, why, why isn't certain guys playing? Why are you guys struggling? You know, things like that. When it's, it's, yeah. And as a coach, that's his – that, that's the way he's that's the way he's wired that's the way he thinks his um and, and he's obviously really big on practice time and development he's seen from his past stops what what guys can do when they get a lot of time 
and a lot of, you know, continuity and a lot of practice, you know, he take Mac Jones, for example, Mac Jones at Alabama was the scout team quarterback, right? Uh, when Pruitt was there, Pruitt even said he wasn't that great of a scout team quarterback. No, Pruitt, and Pruitt, now Pruitt said that the team would, would have gone what, like seven and five or eight and four, which is funny because because for most teams, it's like they probably would have gone three wins, four wins. At Alabama, they could have started this crap quarterback and still won seven or eight games. Yeah, but that, Alabama. That's just what they are right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that he. That, that's just the way. That's what he's coming from, um, and that's his basis for for player development. And I think what he's done and what a lot of his coaches have done uh, in their career speak for themselves. And uh, I know it's easy for people to say, "Well, everybody's dealing with the virus." I don't know that a lot of other teams, especially in the SEC, had forty guys missing for two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know LSU. I think LSU had a lot of guys miss, but LSU's also two and two, and they played four of the worst teams in the league. So, um, or supposedly the worst. Four of the worst teams in the league when you look at Missouri, Mississippi State, who else they played? Oh, that's a good question. Vanderbilt. They beat Vanderbilt and then um, beat South Carolina, who uh, I think those are four bottom half teams. I think we can say that. Yeah, and and, Um, it affects different teams differently too. Like Florida, let's look at Florida, for example. Florida, when it reported at first, had a ton of virus problems. A bunch of guys had it. Um, you know, they just they had it at different times and stuff, and they were, you know, but or and then they went through a long stretch where they didn't have any, so they're able to get, a, a, you know. I mean, let me reverse that. They got a bunch of their work done early in camp before the virus came. They weren't doing like three days or something in between practices. They were they they went a little bit heavier at the beginning, which I think was smart because they thought more people are going to get this thing eventually. So they went about it that way, uh, and then they didn't have it for a while. Uh, they were able to play together, and they had a pretty solid start to the season. I think they've been playing pretty. And good now football. we'll see what happens when they've been off for but, some time. But now they have been wrecked with some different stuff. So now we'll see what they look like afterward. Because you know, I mean, A and M was a you know they didn't tackle, didn't play defense well, but uh, that offense certainly is really impressive um, with a couple guys who are just cheat codes basically. So I, I think that that it affects everybody differently. It affected Tennessee a lot because of those contract tracing rules and because it there were. You know, there's just some things you can't do unless you have a full roster, and uh, or at least something close to it. When you have all, like entire position groups that can't practice, uh, when you have no scholarship players available at a certain position, um, you know, and when you don't have a lot of guys out there, you can't really throw freshmen out there because they're not going to get as many three and four team well, reps because you don't have a third and fourth team. Yeah, and that's that's you know, there, there's countless examples, and there, I mean. Uh, I did a ranking of of of, fre- of each freshman based on what the impact they've made through the first half of the season, and the top three guys were Tyler Barron, Jalen Hyatt, Javante Spragans. None of those guys missed time. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, and there are a lot of guys down uh, lower in that ranking that could go up as they get more practice time. I think you know we talked about Bailey, his situation, missing the first week, not getting you know in Tennessee had to go with two groups instead of four. That cut into his rep count a lot. Uh, I don't, you know, you kind of have to understand how Tennessee practices to understand how they yes. were impacted by having so many guys out. They have, was it usually at least four groups when they have a full team, uh, and they yeah. are on two adjacent fields with the two of those, you know, the ones and the threes and the twos and the fours rotating in and out. So it's a ton of reps, um, and everybody, you know, when Pruitt says, "Oh, we get the same reps," he, he's not just saying that. He there's some legitimacy to that. So, um, and Keyshawn Lawrence is a guy that that he's talked about too that. You know, started out at corner. Then they thought he could play. They they didn't think he could 
you know, they had Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson. Tough to get on the field at cornerback. So yeah, they and, moved George, him to safety. and George and other guys too, yeah. And they moved him to safety saying, thinking, hey, we can get him in the dime package, slide a guy down, you know, maybe slide Flowers or, or McCullough down uh, somewhere or what have you um, and, and play play key as a safety in, in the dime package, you know, when they have six DBs on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were working towards that, and then all their cornerbacks get wiped out, and they had to have guys to practice at cornerbacks, so they moved him back. So he's a prime example of a guy that in a normal situation, he gets he's probably at cornerback, then he gets a lot of work at safety, and that's probably what he plays. He plays mm-hmm. one spot. He has a specialized role, maybe gets 10, 12 snaps a game, depending on how many third downs they force, um, and that's what he does. And, and maybe he gets a chance to settle in and, and expand it from there. Um, Jimmy Holiday is a guy where we get a lot of questions about where's the holiday package, where's the him as a Wildcat quarterback. Again, that's something you probably do during the preseason under normal circumstances, or even in the spring when he was here and working at quarterback. Um, you get a chance to work through some of that stuff, but because he missed time and because they had so many other guys missing time that they needed to just play football to get better at football, they didn't really have a chance to sort of work on that or implement that or have it available to you know in the playbook. So yep. there, there's tangible examples of how certain players, a lot of them are freshmen because a lot of them got hit that way, um, have not – you know, have been impacted and, and to point to maybe a veteran, you know, look at the defensive line, Aubrey Solomon and, and Daryl Middleton didn't have a normal preseason and, and they've, they've kind of been coming along lately, slowly, but they're starting to play better. Tank McCullough only got cleared the day of the South Carolina game. He's obviously been rusty. I think we've all seen that. So, yes. Very, very rusty. Um, and so, you know, we see these things. Wande Morris on the offensive line too is, you know, I think he, he probably played better than I thought he would early on in the season. Uh, but you just you can point to different examples of, okay, this guy missed a lot of practice time. Here's how it's showing up on, on Saturdays. We got, a, got got time for a couple more. Uh, we'll, we'll get to maybe a tiny bit quicker, but we got a couple more to get out of here with. Uh, are you telling me I'm talking too long? No, I'm, both of us are, to be honest with you, Pat. It's, we could, we, I mean, we, we try to keep these things under an hour, but, um, you know, this one's going to go a little bit over. We like to hear ourselves talk. That's just so how that's it's going to be. Well, you, I mean, you're, you got to get all your talking in now because you, you got you got a few days of PTO coming up, buddy. Um, let's see here. Here's a trio of questions from Tennessee Jed. Uh, they're all, as far as I can tell, wide receiver related. Yes, they are. First question, uh, Valus Jones Jr. has been underwhelming, right? Second question, is Jimmy Holiday worth a darn at run blocking, or was he in quarantine for a while during camp? Why isn't he on the field? Uh, and third question, I haven't watched him a ton, but why isn't Ramel Keaton producing? Is it quarterback play or something else? Uh, start with Valus. Um he, they, I feel like I feel like they need to expand his role I if they want to, uh, than just the pop pass where he comes across and they kind of hot potato it to him. Now they ran it against Alabama and it should have gone for more than four yards, but Brandon Johnson didn't block his guy. They had a guy on a guy out there and he had a seam, but that seam closed quickly when the guy wasn't blocked. So um, they did some good things with that early in the season against South Carolina. They ran it three or four times with some decent respect. He. Uh, there's some decent success. They use it sort of as a decoy against Missouri. Again, that's some of the, you know, haven't seen some of that creative stuff lately. Um, he's the guy that I think you have to get on the ball moving. Uh, he's not a shifty guy. He's more of a straight line guy. And he's, he's pretty built for a wide receiver. He's not. Yeah. I see a little bit. He's of not a, he's not a sleek, elusive guy. He's more of a straight line power. He's got some power to him. So that's why I think they, they kind of, I don't say pigeonhole them into that, but that's why they, 
or trying to get him the ball that way. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of Leonard Scott. Um, and, and I'm not saying he's an Olympic caliber sprinter like Leonard Scott was. Um, Does he have stone hands like Leonard Scott did? Uh, no, uh, he he can catch the ball. Um, but Leonard Scott was a guy who once he got going, goodness gracious, if he got behind you, you were done. But, you know, kind of getting him in open space and stuff and, and finding ways to get him the ball – could be a little more challenging because it's not that he wasn't shifty. It's just that you wanted him going in a straight line. Jones, it, it, it kind of reminds me of that in a way in that I think there are certain ways you have to get him the ball. And I think Tennessee knows that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, if Tennessee were executing on offense better, uh, it would have some place to kind of gadget stuff to get him the ball and, and, and some things like that. I think there is, and I'm not saying he's a gadget type player because I think there are other things he can do, but the bottom line is the passing game has not been consistent. The pass protection has not been consistent. The quarterback play has not been consistent and the wide receivers have not been super consistent either. Uh, the, the pass pro from the tight ends has not been good at times. The running backs have not always picked up their blockers. There are a lot of components to a passing game that have to work for the passing game to work. And that's not been, they haven't put that together really for much this season. So if they do that, Jones is a guy I think they can get going. Where Jones has underwhelmed me a little bit is in the kick return game. We saw against South Carolina what he can do, but I think since then he's missed some opportunities to have some some other big returns. Uh, now I do think against Alabama and Georgia, you got to consider the caliber of athletes on their special teams units. That's okay. They're gonna they're gonna make plays sometimes, but I think Tennessee and he had decent returns in those games. Yeah, I think I think there have been a couple times where maybe the protection could, or, or wall could have been a little better, but I think there's also times where he maybe could have seen something a little better. Um, I think that that's where I've been a little bit not underwhelmed, but just kind of maybe I expected a little bit more. Maybe there's a fine line in between those two things, but I think Jones is a guy they can get the ball to we, more. We kind of we kind of touched on Holiday, so moving on to Keaton, um, I, I think he's a guy that can get a little bit more separation. Um, you know, and he's got to make the plays. He's getting opportunities. He's getting, I don't know his target count, but I think it's probably up there among the wide receivers. Uh, he's just got to make some of those plays. I mean, uh, they had a third and three, I think, against Alabama, and, and he's running a slant, and he's got to he's got to make a better play on that ball. You know, he he's got you got to make a contested catch every now and then. That's just the nature of playing in the SEC. Um, and, and he had a chance for a big play and got held. So that was you know that was a good play that he did. He didn't catch. You know, it wasn't a catch against Alabama, but, um, you know, he, he, he got open and, and drew a holding penalty. So, um, he's just, he, he's, he, he, I don't know that he's maybe should be grouped in with like maybe Brandon Johnson or Cedric Tillman. Some of those, some of those older guys who kind of are what they are. They're just not as dynamic. I think Keaton has some ability to get separation and get open and make plays. Um, they missed some chances to him early in the season. I think South Carolina, he, he should have had over yards in that game. If they had gotten two or three of the catches that, he was open on. Yeah, he he's gotten um, some he's gotten some separation. So he, he's he's, he's gotten athlete. some he's he's he to me is sort of not maybe with some of those other guys. Uh, no, I he's not. But he's, but if you want to get the ball to the guys like Weidman more or Hyatt more, he's a guy who they may be eating into some of his reps. That I agree with. I mean that because something's got to give, and you know Palmer's not leaving the field unless he has to, or unless he's winded or dinged up or something. I still vouch for Brandon Johnson because I think he does a lot of things that other guys on the team don't do. I think Garantano feels really comfortable going to him in tight spots. I think he gets where he's supposed to go when he runs his routes. Now, he did one, he did go about two and a half yards of the stick on a fourth down play, and that was a really poor route, and that was disappointing. In general, though, um, and other than, you know, there's one, one or two blocks that he probably should have made and didn't. You referenced one of them a minute ago. I still think Johnson's a guy who. 
you know, you never want him to be like your number one or number two, but you want him on the field. I think he does some things that help you. But the bottom line is Hyatt, Weidman, guys like that, maybe even Holiday, we'll see Callaway. Those guys are so ridiculously athletic that you're going to want to get them the ball more. And if you want to get them the ball more, something's got to give, right? I mean, that's just the nature of it. And I think Tillman's a guy who I've always kind of thought there was more to him, but maybe there just isn't. We'll see. Um, you know, I think maybe he's a complimentary piece. But right, one thing about one thing about Keaton, I do want to add is I do think he's one of their better blockers on the perimeter. So with, even yes, if he's yes. not making plays in the pass game, I think he still brings some value. Yeah, there to was, the offense. There was one play earlier this season where they had somebody on the perimeter, and it could have been a really huge play, but he just didn't make his block. And I was really shocked that it was him because he normally is the guy who does make his block. So if it if I'm having to go, wow, he normally does that, then that means he he's usually doing it pretty well. So I think that's worth noting. Uh, maybe the final question here we'll see, but uh, here's a question from Tristan VFL. It says, last year Jeremy Pruitt said the biggest difference between him in year one versus year two was him trusting his staff and not trying to micromanage everything. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's basically what he said. Do you believe the firing of Brumbaugh runs contrary to that statement, or was this just an extraordinary situation? Uh, I would probably say more of an extraordinary situation just because he clearly was seeing something and seeing things uh, <clears throat> on the field and in recruiting that he did not like. Uh, I, I don't know that that you know nobody goes into a season saying, I'm going to fire my defensive line coach after four games. A, a guy I hired a few months ago yeah, just before a pandemic hit. So yeah. uh, that the move was made told me that whatever the reasoning was, Pruitt had was – it wasn't I don't think it was something that was just made in the heat of the moment. I don't think it was just made after a blow up or whatever was alleged. You know what I mean? So yeah. um I, I don't know that this is a, a case of micromanaging. Um and I, I, I don't you know I that is a good point because Pruitt I think did do a better job of, of not micromanaging last season. I think his first season he tried to he tried to do everything. He's a first time head coach. That's kind of how he's he's always kind of been as as an assistant is you kind of do everything about your position group. And now as a head coach, you're overseeing the whole program. You try to do everything about your whole program. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I, I think with Brumball's situation, I think he just clearly saw a situation that was not up to his standards. It was not it was not going well. He saw some things, like I said, uh, that in recruiting and on the field that said this this is not going to cut it and. And why wait? You know, it's going to – He, I think it was bad enough that he thought if he kept him for the rest of the season, it would probably do more harm than good. And so yeah. that's why he made the move at the time that he did. I think let's call it what it is. Hiring Brumbaugh was a mistake. Uh, it just was. And, and, and maybe at the time he didn't think it was. At the time, Brumbaugh's a guy who he worked with Ansley. Uh, Pruitt knew and liked him. Uh, he did his homework on him, and he didn't just say, hey, I like the guy. He called around and, and – other people said, yeah, man, we like this guy. Ansley said, hey, man, I worked with this guy for years. I love the guy. He helped us turn the thing around in Kentucky and, and yada, yada, yada. And But he just very clearly was not a fit for what Pruitt wanted him to do, uh, both on the football field and in recruiting. And, he, you know, it, it's like he's a defensive-minded guy, right? So if he's seeing something – and on offense, he doesn't like it. He'll, you know, it'll, he'll say something. But if he sees something on defense that he doesn't like, the inner defensive coordinator in him, the inner position coach on defense in him, just starts screaming at him. This needs to be better. This needs to be better. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? If the players have a bad day, they had a bad day. But but why is this happening too often? And it just kind of kept gnawing away at him. And eventually, he said, "I can't take this anymore. This has there has to be a change here." So. Clearly, let's call it what it is and say he made a mistake. 
that's that's yeah. the that's the nicest way you can put it. And I think he would admit that too. It's pretty yeah. obvious. You you fire a guy eight months after hiring him during a season in the middle of a pandemic where economics are in a really rough spot anyway. You've made a mistake. Now, is it a let's tar and feather you? You know, mistake uh, and put you kind of in in you know like in shackles in downtown. Now people throw lettuce at you. No, I don't think it's that 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 kind of a mistake. But it is a mistake, right? It's a mistake, and it's one that Pruitt has to own. And it's one that Pruitt is saying, "I'm owning this. I'm going to go try to fix it myself." And hey, that's that's his and job. It, that's his job to if there's something he doesn't like on his team, he's the one responsible for it. He's got to fix it. And, 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 you know, you, when you make mistakes at this level, you, you gotta get put in a hole. I mean, let's just, let's just, let's be honest, Wes. I mean, uh, they needed to make, you know, they needed to, to, to do some good things, uh, on the recruiting trail with this defensive line class this season. Yep. Now they might get some relief because they might get some of these seniors back, but going into the season at one point, they were going to have seven seniors that they were going to have to replace. Um, and, and so that was, that was a daunting situation. And now, um, I, you know, we don't have Ryan here. I don't know who all, who all they have committed off the top of my head, uh, but they're still in on some some big name guys. Yeah. Uh, Ingram Dawkins is one. I think Taiwan Malone is right to kid out of Memphis. Yeah, and, um, and guys who are, and guys, guys who, and guys who commit other way other places could still they could still turn. It's just without a defensive line coach in place before the early signing period. It's going to be tough and, to and, do that. And there's some guys on the defensive line that they've missed that they recruited really hard that have gone you know chosen other other schools. So, um, and. and it, and that's not to say that they're going to end up with a bad recruiting class on the defensive line, or if they don't make, you know, home run higher uh, at that position after the season that it mitigates the situation. But I mean, look at the offensive coordinator. I think, you know, Tyson Helton was not a, was a decision. I think Pruitt might like to have back if he could do it over again. Um, and that's sort of set back what Tennessee has done offensively because um, you know, that's obviously an important position on the staff. So uh, yeah, I think it was, I think you're right, Wes. I think, I think I think, and I and most of all, I think Pruitt would also say that hey, this is a mistake, and and I don't yeah, know how I, he would. I don't, I, I don't know how you would argue against it with the timing and what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think there are degrees of mistakes, and this is certainly not a good mistake to make. But I I don't I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing that, that's ever happened. I think if he gets this higher right um, and, and mitigates this a little bit, hey, it'll be okay, right? I mean, it's. It is what it is. It's a mistake, and he's trying to fix it himself. He's a capable defensive line coach. I think it. it he feels like the cornerbacks. You know, normally that's his baby. Uh, I, I, we'll see. Ansley's certainly capable of coaching everywhere on the back end. Um, they have uh, grad assistants. They feel pretty good about. So, so yeah, they, they, they think they can mitigate that, it. Yeah, Nate Andrews is a guy they really like. Who's who's helping out with the secondary. I think he played at Florida State. Yeah, and, and he it, did play at Florida State. And if, if if a guy like Ansley left and they were able to move some things around, I think Pruitt would love having you know Nate Andrews stay on his staff. I think he really really likes him. So you know I, I think that they've got some options there. It's just that you know they are where they are right now. Pat, anything else? Was there anything that you maybe thought would be asked and it wasn't? No. Great questions, guys. Seriously, <laughs> I'm being serious. They, they I'm not just being short because I I want to be done, but. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm kidding because I'm looking at the time and going, oh, God, we went overboard. But no, that's okay, man. You know what, Pat? Uh, it's in a good spot right now. Uh, this podcast is maybe not the, the actual football season, but hey, that, that is what it is. Uh, enjoy your weekend and uh, uh, get out and have some fun, man. Thank you, Wes. I'm just going to go play some golf with my wife, and if I lose, it's going to be a really bad weekend for me. So that's. I hope, I hope it doesn't happen. I don't know if you've seen that movie, I Love You, Man. Uh, where Jason Siegel's character is like, I don't play sports with women, and then he gets hit in the leg with the golf ball. Hey, there, I'll t- I hope that doesn't happen to you, Wes. There is one 
hole-in-one uh, in our family, and um, I am not the one who did it. She has a hole-in-one. So, yeah. So, uh, and she's also like five foot eleven, so she can hit the ball a little bit. So, hitting from the girls' tees, you know, she's in good shape. Guys, Do you play from the girls' tees too? Girl tees too? No, sometimes she just plays from the. We we meet in the middle and play on the white tees, so it just it plays faster. We don't have to hold people up behind us. So uh, we'll see how tomorrow goes, guys. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You want just Tennessee news? Nothing else? You can get that, as always, at Twitter.com slash GoVols 24-7. You can also get that at Facebook.com slash GoVols 24-7, which is updated throughout the day and has all kinds of good stuff on there. But if you want the best, the, the that delicious, that delicious spring water, that Smoky Mountain spring water, just right from the tap. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, women's sports, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering Lady Vols for us. Got a couple of forums on there that are open 24-7 with the checkerboard uh, for men's sports and general interest stuff, fun stuff, shenanigans. Also got the Summit, the appropriately named Summit, uh, for coverage of women's sports and other things. So tons of good stuff on both of those sites. Uh, and if you pay full price for that, that's still less than one mediocre lunch per month. But right now we got a deal 50% off your first year's subscription, which is a great deal. Hurry up. It's a flash sale. Not much longer. Go take advantage of that. And if you do pay us full price, then you get CBS All Access access for free. CBS All Access is CBS's streaming platform where during this podcast, I have been watching Arsenal's Europa League game on a separate monitor, if I'm being honest. And I'm trying to be honest about that because it offers us this kind of stuff, guys. It's got live sports all the time, live sports uh, from across the globe. Got uh, college football, uh, obviously SEC football, got college basketball, March Madness, NFL football, uh, World Series of Poker stuff, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all kinds of fun stuff. In addition to everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made commercial free, new movies in and out every month. Uh, and also lots of stuff from uh, Smithsonian and Nickelodeon for the kids. Uh, you got Comedy Central there for, for us adults. Uh, and you've also got um, MTV and BET. Access to all of that stuff in the vault. And that's a $100 plus annual value that we will give you for free. How many places were they like, here's 100 bucks a year, man. Just take it. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, if nothing else, this is an open date. So that's me knocking on wood that nothing crazy happens. And you should hear from us again on Monday. Uh, but uh, if you're getting out and about this weekend because it's Tennessee's open date, please be careful. Wear your mask, socially distance. Let's get through this because um, we're not done with this yet, guys. We all want it to be done, but we're just not. So let's face reality and let's get down to business. See you.